Get the best odds on all the big games this March. Download the Circa Sports Iowa app today. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Road and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. week kicking it i'm jeff woody i'm uh, officially the host i'm the most important person in this room definitely by a long shot uh the other people that are around are aiden white who's producing it and hey grant you're also here you're not more important than nba jam in the corner though <laughs> i just want to see if you come in real strong like a total dickhead like what the rest of the room is i think we just lost about half the listeners yep it's fine uh well you know what they're gonna miss out on what yeah, it's Aiden's already done. Um, but uh, you know what they're going to miss out on is Calgary Manufacturing's sweet down corn reel. It's we're we're midway through, kind of towards the end of harvest, ish, depending on how many people got it out of the fields. If your stuff broke in the midway through this harvest season, and you need something either fixed, maintained, or you want to get just a new corn reel, generally Calgary Manufacturing. Thank you to that. We are here in the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Studios uh, on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network, fueled by Cody Road, which. Uh, one little Cody Road thing is, I've mentioned it before, there is a chance that in the next few weeks, we're going to have to find either a substitute host or some way to get around this, because my wife is is cooking a small human uh, and is going to come out of the oven maximum in four weeks. So there's a chance that we, that we do have to find a sub for me, because there's more important things than talking to you. But there's one thing. I'm not sure we need a sub, Aiden. What the hell, man? Are you just going to fill in? You should do it. No, I'm just saying. I'm just like, we all suck. <laughs> oh, you be it's there for be, the birth of your child. It's going to be or? kicking it with Grant Mahoney. And it's going to be the, the largest listened to podcast. Yeah, 60 minutes of Grant Mahoney's thoughts. And it's just smooth jazz. Grant's gripes for 60 minutes. Grant's gripes and random thoughts. Welcome. <laughs> you know what? The, we were actually talking about this before. Uh, chocolate bar is more expensive. Yeah, dude, that's that's my gripe. I got a couple of gripes if we're going to dive into it. Chocolate bars be more expensive. I stopped in because I just want to buy the chocolate. Two dollars and quarters. Thought should be plenty. Walk in two nineteen. I'm like, oh, it must be a king size bar. No, the king size is three ninety nine. What? Grant scribes. Grant scribes. My next my next gripe though, and then we can continue on is at, at what point were dogs allowed in like Home Depot and Lowe's and Walmart? Why not service dogs? Just like oh, I don't want my my pet to stay at home today. Let's bring them to Lowe's. I mean, it, as a guy who owns dogs, I think socializing them to different equipment and different people. Like, I don't have any beef if you have a well-behaved dog in public situations. That's what dog parks are for, though. I don't want my dog taking a dump in aisle 13 Who's at Lowe's. Take, what dog takes a dump just, like, randomly inside? My like, mother-in-law, she, was at, she works at Walmart, and she said that there was a, a dog that took a dump in the middle of the, of the, of the store. That's a bad dog. Well. Not, I guess, uh, th- in any... In any population, there is a bottom half, no matter who it is. Well, Every, I think all dogs need to stay home unless they're going, you know, to to the. I'm, I got a dog too. I'm, I'm, ve- pro, I'm pro dog. Grant Mahoney, anti dog. I'm not anti dog. I'm anti. I'm anti dog at at where they don't need to be. You know what I'm anti? Iowa people bitching about stuff. Well, I'm gonna. Should in fact, I'm gonna Scribes. start doing that right now. Grant Scribes. Uh, <laughs> Grant Scribes. Grant Scribes. Grant Scribes. Grand scripts. Grand scripts. All right, let's dive into it. Um, okay, so this is kicking it, right? Like, 
this is a, I mean, it's, it's not exclusively special teams, but it's like special teams. It's like a, got a strong special teams bent to it. Uh, there was a, a substantial special teams play that happened in the only division one game that happened in the state this past weekend. Cause Iowa state was resting comfortably, just watching on their couch, just hanging out, talking shit about Iowa. Probably. Yeah. Ski you. Uh, <laughs> now in this game, Iowa managed and okay. So let me, let me actually preface this, this conversation by like, I don't want to sound like I'm just like cycling guy taking pot shots because like as some of these are should, I, I think are probably gonna end up as like little teasers on the internet. And I, I don't, I want this to sound as neutral as I can. I was taking joy from Iowa losing in the way that they did simply because of the stubbornness of the lack of adjusting and that you're consistently relying upon special teams and defense to pull you out of situations that you have put yourself in that finally got caught up to him. Yeah, that and Iowa. Duck. Um, Now, the other part about this, though, and this is not just sitting high on a hill. This is uh, Iowa's defense and special teams are elite, elite. Really, really, really good. Offense had 127 yards, had 12, 12 yards of offense in the second half. The f- they had in, in one in one of their drives. No, nope, the whole sec- whole game at one, one, one point in one play. Nope, 12 yards at, at one point. They had minus eight yards of total offense in the second half of that game going into the middle of the fourth quarter and then had about 20 yards of offense and then punted. And that got them to their total of actually it got them higher than their total because Following the special teams play, they took a sack, which brought them down to 12 yards of total offense in the second half. That sounds like absolutely exhilarating football. To that watch. is it's so hard to watch. And so as a person, so for uh, those that are fans, which thanks for those that if, if at 1030 on Saturdays, I'll do a show on Channel 5, Style Game Day, previewing the previewing and recapping the previous week and previewing the next week. And honestly, like doing that for long enough, that's like my seventh or eighth year doing that show. You actually get to watch it with a bit of uh, ob- objectivity where you're not rooting for or against uh, whether it's Iowa or whoever Iowa State is playing. Like you, I'm rooting for Iowa State it just naturally because I went there. But you can watch it in a way that you're not necessarily have a ro- having a rooting interest. Um, Better you than me. But <laughs> watching Iowa, it's so frustrating because the – as a guy who played offense, the things that are wrong with their offense are not anything to do with personnel, and it's not anything anything to do with the execution of the play. It's that the plays themselves can't work in the situations that they're called. So, like the whole offense being trash. That let's just let's let's call it that, and that is frustrating to watch. But it's good, hopefully, and for people at Hawkeye fans that I, I friends that I have, and I. I'm the only, my brother and I are the only two in my family to have graduated from Iowa State. Everybody else went to Iowa or Illinois. So uh, I think they're all feeling the same thing, which is that it's good that they finally lost uh, in this bad offensive thing because then you can't say like, hey, but we're still winning. This is all a preamble to say that the Cooper DeGene special teams play, there have been some hot takes and they are not good on the Cooper DeGene play. Uh, so I, we're going to try something. And for those that are on the viewing audience, you're going to be able to have a little bit more kind of back and forth with this because we're going to put up the actual play itself because we're going to go into, and like, this is sort of his ammunition because 
we going to get Iowa fans listening to this? Probably not. But mostly it's Iowa State fans. And if you are just dealing with an Iowa fan that's bitching, here's just some ammunition as far as the conversation to that. And or if you are an Iowa fan listening to this, I hope to elucidate why this rule actually exists in the first place. And it is to the benefit of your team, because if it didn't exist, Cooper DeGene would all would be dead, basically. So this play that the, the invalid fair catch signal, I didn't know that was actually the term for the invalid fair catch signal. But this rule actually got instituted while we were playing, because what used to happen in the olden days, I don't remember what year it was it was I, it was early of my playing year. So like 2010, 11, somewhere in there. Uh, what used to happen on a punt return is a punt returner, if they were able to catch the ball, but they didn't want to get hit, they would throw the fair catch up there. That rule has been, it's hand above head. That rule has been in play for a really long time. Above shoulder. I above think. shoulder. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Just you have to wave your hand to indicate to a referee that you are that you are not intending to return it. If you then elect to return the ball, that's a 15-yard personal foul because you're telling everybody else, you can't hit me, and therefore, you cannot return. If you're removing the risk of getting hit, then you can't take the benefit of teams not trying to hit you. However, that protection was gone the moment the ball hit the ground. So if I called fair catch, and I'm a punt returner, and I... The, the ball takes some weird sidewindery action, some real Tressway stuff back from Oklahoma, and, and it I can't quite get to it. I lose in the sun, something like that, and it spikes up, and I take a candy. It takes a big old candy hop. If I'm on the coverage team and I see the ball hit the ground, if the returner goes to catch the ball on that candy hop prior to this rule being instituted, it's sort of like someone going for a fumble, which is to say... I can fuck you up. Light his ass up. There is no reason if someone's in route to the ball, like it's you can't just take a shot at somebody for like for no way. You can't just take a shot at on somebody out of nowhere. But if they're in a motion to catch the ball, their fair their protection from that fair catch signal is gone the moment the ball hits the ground. This was in the olden days, and we were coached if that ball hits the ground and the returner's going to get it, you are trying to time it up where it is. As soon as they touch the ball, you're trying to break their ribs. Like that is as hard as you can hit them because they are no longer protected. So the returner then in this situation, how many times are you supposed to, have you been mad at a returner? I mean, a lot of people have directed this angst towards Jalen Knoll, some justifiedly, some not about not catching or not getting in the way of the ball and letting it roll for another 25, 30 yards. So if you're a returner, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place here, because if it takes this big candy hop, you're not going to put yourself in front of it because you could die because I don't have any means to then slow down because if i'm a coverage guy and whatever I, spread punt was around at this time too means which means you're going to have a lot more cover guys down there at a time the the condensed you know kick slide punt that has been out that had been out of the game uh so do you want to get in front of the ball as on this big candy hop or are you going to try and let it roll for another 20 30 yards so what guys would try and do is they try and like catch it with their back towards the, the the coverage team and sort of like catch it and duck down and try and just like avoid that big shot. So in response to that situation, the NCAA put in the fact that if you call a poison poison or a Peter Peter rule, or just you are negate, you are giving some indication that get away from the ball, get away from the ball, get away from the ball. The signal that that gives to the coverage team is that you cannot touch me anymore because that allowed protection. If there is a big hop or if you intend to field the ball after having given that poison poison thing, the ball is dead on the spot and it protects the returner. So it makes it it takes away the difficulty of that decision of 
should I get in front of the ball or should I uh, let it roll for forever? So you can get in front of the ball and stop the rollout, but you can also be protected. Well, now, usually too, when someone gives like a Peter Peter, they're not feeling the ball. They're you know they're correct. They're saying and they're, and they're running the opposite direction of where correct. the ball is rolling. And and there there is a little nuance to this too because a good punt returner, if you call Peter Peter, you want to hang around near the ball because if that uh, if if that ball hits the coverage team the return team has the option of taking the ball on any punt return. The, if a coverage team touches it, that is one option where you can take the ball back at. And so if I punt it or if you punt it and I'm returning it and I wait, and then one of your coverage guys touches it, I can pick it up and I could return it for a touchdown and we take it at that spot. But if I pick it up and then I get hammered and I lose the ball and you return it for a touchdown, I say, actually we wanted at the spot where you guys first touched it. So it's fair game. So you as a returner, it's not weird for a returner when they call poison poison or Peter Peter. It's not weird for a returner to hang around near the ball because you can sort of get this kind of free this free return if someone touches it. If you are the first one to touch it on that invalid fair catch signal, then that ball is dead where it stops. The whole rule exists so that the coverage team does not kill the returner. So now, Aiden, do you want to pull this play up? And so... Uh, was this play officiated correctly? It was not. This play was not officiated correctly, in my opinion. It was, in this particular play, uh, ruled... Uh, it was the right ruling. So we're playing it on there and freeze right now. So one of the things you're going to see, so for those that are actually watching it on YouTube, you're going to see right now that Cooper DeGene called what they ruled as that poison poison. He pointed up in the air, and we've all seen the video of him kind of waving his... or pointing with his right hand and waving his left hand sideways. If he is indicating that that ball is Peter Peter, what he's telling his return team to do is get away from the ball. Because likewise, for those that are somewhat versed in special teams, if on the return team, if as a returner, I, I'm a blocker on the return team, if I touch it and the punt team recovers it, then it's just like a fumble. So when he calls poison, poison, Peter, Peter, he's telling everybody to get away from it. And then he's hanging around trying to wait for that ball to bounce up to stop it from rolling. So... Now, let's watch, let's actually re and rewind it like two seconds. So what's going to happen, so right here, this is a good view. So as we're looking at this screen, watch just the Minnesota guys. Ignore everybody, ignore Cooper DeGene, ignore anybody in a yellow shirt. Okay, go ahead and hit play. Watch the effort that they're playing with. Okay, that's a jog at best. It's somewhat walking. Now, why is that the case? That's not the case because they're thinking, uh, man, this, they're not going to return it. I shouldn't go cover it. They're, th they're doing that because they saw an, an invalid fair catch signal and they stopped covering. Cooper DeGene doesn't get this return if he doesn't do that action because the, the Minnesota coverage team fully covers that punt. Now, what should have happened is they should have blown that play dead right there. Because if you're calling an invalid fair catch or invalid fair catch signal, you don't allow it to progress forward. Because likewise, let's go back to like five minutes ago when I was talking. If you call fair catch and you're telling the return team, I can't return it, I'm not going to return it, you can't hit me, and then you take off and return, that's a delay of game, it's a personal foul, it's a it's a 15, excuse me, it's a five-yard penalty, it's a delay of game, it goes back five yards. So that is the exact same application of the rule here. You can't call that and then not get a delay of game by returning a play that you then fair caught. So what should have happened, if we're going to rule that at all, and Cooper DeGene returns it, is to 
stop the play, blow it dead, and then take it back five yards from where he touched it because he's saying, you can't touch me, therefore I can't return the ball. So as soon as this play takes off, they should have, re- they should have ruled this as an incomplete or as a play that's done right here. That is all to say that this play shouldn't have happened. The fact that it did happen, Cooper DeGene is the best player in the field. I've said it, I mean, I don't even know how many times. It is That is one of the most impressive punt returns that I've ever seen in the situation that it was done, and he just had the other most impressive punt return like three weeks ago. The guy's a freak. But that play probably doesn't happen without that fair catch signal because Minnesota fully covers it. They're getting told by that fair catch signal, ball up in the air, hearing, yelling Peter, Peter, wiping his air, waving his hand sideways, that whole thing doesn't happen without him calling that. So because it hits the ground, does that negate any kind of signals? No. So that's actually the ra- the reason why that fair catch signal exists. So if I if that ball hits the ground and I've signaled fair catch above my head, then that, n- that, f- that valid fair catch signal, whatever the proper fair catch signal, that no longer applies because... Because I've, the ball hit the ground. Because the ball hit the ground. You, you're only protected with a fair catch if the ball hits the ground. You then have to do the invalid or the ball's bouncing, get away, get away, poison, poison. That protects you once you've actually once the ball's hit the ground. Where the rest of this, um, you know, the everyone bitching about like, oh, here's five other plays where it happened and they didn't call in anything, is because the returner didn't intend to touch the ball. If it is a personal foul, if you hit a guy who has signaled that. It is a 15-yard penalty right from the spot. It's just like if you screw, if you just level a guy who called fair catch. One other thing, this is like a not for nothing. If you watch it from the wide angle, there is an and like one thing I remember, like Hassel said that you can't call that in that moment and swallow the whistle. They actually did. Like the referees actually swallowed the whistle. If you watch the wide shot, the actual TV copy, and that clips somewhere out there, we don't want to use it for media usage rights because it's got an ESPN or an NBC stamp on it or whatever. You can't jump over the shield on a punt block. That's a, it's a personal foul, and it's at the risk of the player who's jumping over the shield. Number seven, I think he's the second or third guy in from the bottom of the screen. Textbook, ass over elbows, jumps over the shield. In most situations, that's a 15-yard penalty. The referees recognized that'd be a little ticky-tack here to try and call a personal foul jumping over the shield on a situation where this game is in the balance. So they swallowed the whistle. They actually didn't call something that should have actually occurred. So don't tell that to Iowa fans, Jeff, the, the, was the, the play act or appropriately ruled? No. And then another thing, this is just while we're talking officiating, while we're talking special teams, when a play goes for a review, anything that is reviewable is reviewable in that moment. There are things that are not reviewable, in which case you can't touch it. So like forward progress, that's not a thing. If you if you blow the whistle dead on forward progress, you can't review that at any point. So like if they're ever, they get a spot and a guy's running forward and they blow the whistle and then he falls forward again, but they blew the whistle somewhere in there, that play, that can't be reviewed. It, it's that forward progress is not a reviewable thing, which is why like when Jeremiah George got that fumble and Texas returned it for like, or and Jeremiah George returned it for a touchdown, but they ruled uh, it against it. Yeah, it was but they ruled forward progress and thus not overturnable. That's the reason. Didn't hear the whistle. Right. So, but that's one of those things that's not reviewable. A pass interference, not reviewable. It's too much of a holding. That's not reviewable. You can't go through and review certain things that are not reviewable, but anything that is within the purview of a reviewable play, like let's say in the, in the, in the process of reviewing that they found that one of the Minnesota players targeted one of the Iowa players on like, uh, as they were, you know, trying behind the player or whatever, they could eject that guy for targeting 
even though they weren't looking for it. So anything that happens all the time is that like, it just doesn't happen in big moments like that. But the whole, that whole call, that whole thing, that whole play existed to protect Cooper DeGene from getting absolutely leveled by one of the five guys that's around him. Does he get out of it? Probably. Maybe he's a freak, but that whole play doesn't exist without him doing that because the entire Minnesota coverage team slows down because they know it's a personal foul. If they hit him, and how many yards of offense did they need at that fair catch spot? Probably doubled over the head in the game so far. <laughs> they needed 18 yards. From right. The, so, where he, yeah. yeah, so they had 12 exactly. in the second half. We're keeping track. So they needed 18 yards from time where he first caught it to where that field goal is. If they, they recognize if they hit him, that's a 15-yard penalty. They're pretty much in field goal range. So Minnesota's even more throttling back on it. So watch the play. If you, if you watch the play again, don't look at anybody in yellow. Only look at the Minnesota coverage team and look how much they throttle down when they see that. The whole thing exists to make sure Cooper DeGene doesn't die. I get what Hassel's saying. You know, you can't call that in that time, but at the same time, a penalty is a penalty. And yeah, it's a ticky-tacky call, but like you said, they, they missed it. The play that. wouldn't exist without it. Yeah. He wouldn't have scored without it. Like, if... If you're if it was a fair catch and he goes to catch it in the first place, if he goes fair catch and the whole Minnesota team then just runs by him and then he returns it for a touchdown, are we mad that he returned it for a touchdown? No, it's because that fair catch says you can't touch me. You are not allowed to touch me. You're not even allowed to be within the halo of a yard in front of the frame of my body. You can't even be near me. So, yeah, that whole thing exists because he signaled to not touch me. Yeah, it just sounds like a bunch of uneducated fans not knowing what's going on to me. But everybody checks the rule book. It's like the uh, one an, an annoying thing is when you see whether it's a run lane or a pass or something like that, and someone's like Mr. Screenshot Guy, where they're like, why didn't he throw it to the tight end here? Okay, you, probably because his progression based on the defense was to look left to right. He didn't quite get back there by the time he got hit. Like, the mechanics of the play prevent that from happening. But like... Everybody, everybody on the internet is an expert on everything, even when they don't know what it's about. We've spent way too much time on Iowa, but the special teams aspect of it is insightful, and that was good. Oh man, it it is. And again, as an analyst, like Tory Taylor, fun to watch. Oh man, he's having a better year right now than Perkins too. I saw the stats. He's good. Sucks. He's good. I trust in Tyler though. Am I still in the All American bandwagon? Um, <laughs> I'm kind of kind of falling off, but I'm I'm definitely on the You're all by big the 12. Door. I'm on the all big twelve. Oh for yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Uh, but actually, who else? Who else was it? Was it BYU? I think it was BYU. Dude uncorked a 76 yard punt. Hmm. I mean, it's in Provo. It's a little bit at, at altitude, but dude uncorked a 76 yard punt. There was a 20 yard return on it because you punted at 76 yards, and you, no coverage team is going to make it there in time. But still, I mean, bombed it. I think he was standing on his own five, and it was on like the opposite fifteen when he ended up where the ball ended up getting caught. Wild. That, that's gotta feel good. San Diego State had a dude who just un, unleashed just nukes uh, a couple years ago. Don't need to talk about him because his. Yeah, he actually got acquitted. He Fun did fact. good. Yeah. yeah, good for yeah. him. I mean, that's a that's good for Matt Ariza. Ariza, I think, is a yeah. guy. And we really delved into a weird side topic. But the moral of the story is. The rule wasn't applied correctly, but it wasn't wrong in the way that Iowa fans think it was wrong. It's wrong in the fact they let the play go at all uh, and didn't call a penalty for Cooper DeGene advancing the ball. Like, it either is uh, invalid fair catch signal plus a delay of game 
or it's not an invalid fair catch signal. One of those two things, because you can't advance it once you say, I, you can't touch it. Like one of those two things should happen. It was incorrectly officiated, but still spot them five yards. They still ain't going to get it. Well, and, and, and still too, it's easy to pick out one, one play to be like, that's the reason why we lost. You guys had 12, they had 12 yards of offense in the second half. Like, come on, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks that that play got called back because you did score. But if your offense wasn't such shit, you might've actually. I also, scored. also, this is just, again, a not for nothing. And I just have to, because again, as a, as someone who has to break down Iowa for TV, like I have to watch the games and like, I have to have some place to vent this frustration because no one else cares. Like my wife's grown a human. Like she doesn't really care about me bitching about Iowa's offense. Do you have a dog? Two. Yeah. I got two. I'll yeah. talk to them. Yeah. Yell at them about it. Yeah. But <laughs> one of the things, so I listened to, you had uh, the Hawkeye Sunday with uh, John and he was all mad about Deacon Hill. What indication that a new quarterback is going to fix this signal, this system has been given ever. Let's look. I mean, if we go through the last four guys that were quarterbacks there, you have Spencer Petras, trash with offense is trash. Alex Padilla, trash offense. Cade McNamara, good quarterback, trash offense. Is he a good quarterback though? He was hurt, but the still, He's I mean, serviceable. good, serviceable, but still trash. He's offense. no Rocco Beck. Yeah. Still trash offense. Uh, no Rocco Beck. And then now Deacon Hill, trash offense. Replacing the quarterback hasn't solved the problem. There's been four guys and it's been shit every single time. So it's not Deacon Hill's fault. It's the whole thing doesn't work. Nate Stanley could be in a Deacon Hill jersey for all I know. I can't tell a difference. It man. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm not saying like skill wise. I'm just saying that dude's built like a shoebox. <laughs> check check what I just texted you. I don't have my phone. Where's your phone? Over here. Hold hold on. This is quality. Quality programming right now. So this is what Chad Lysico and Scott Dockerman talked about last week on Iowa Rose Legends and Listeners. Oh my God! The oh. list. I, I believe Chad Lysico referred to it as uh, the tape, the tapestry of failure, or something <laughs> like that. Oh my God! Oh, so what the what this is? So uh, this is every quarterback from 2011 to now. Uh. I, or I see Iowa's high school quarterback was, Oh boy. None of them have turned out to be successful. Jake Rudock, CJ Beathard turned out to be okay. Uh, Nick Shimanek, Tyler Wiegers, Drew Cook, Ryan Boyle, Nate Stanley turned out to be fine ish. Peyton Manzel, Spencer Petrus, Alex Padilla, Deuce Hogan, Joey Labus, Carson May, Marco Lanez, and James Razor. Resar. Not it's two guys. Of those have been serviceable. This whole thing is trash. We spent this entire first half of this episode with me venting about Iowa because it's so bad. And the thing is, their defense, like, I feel bad that Iowa State lost to them because their offense is so bad. But at that point, they still had their three of their top four weapons, where they still had Jay-Z and Patterson, they still had Luke Lachey, they still had Eric All. But at this point, they've about killed all of them. Like, there's, they're, they're hurt because they keep throwing. The one with Eric All tore his ACL across the middle, it's like triple coverage, and he tried to laser beam one in, and a guy hit him in the knee. Like, the whole thing... I have to watch it's this hospital shit. Pass. I have to, kids call it. Yes, I have to watch this shit professionally, and it's horrible. But watching the defense is fun. Bless your heart, Jeff. Watching the special teams is fun, but God bless it. Watching the offenses, it's like watching. I've described it this way, and then we'll move on to Iowa State and Baylor. This is one other thing that I have to get out, and feel free to use this with your Hawkeye friends, anyone out there in Cyclone fan, Cyclone land. Uh, it's like watching a toddler with the marker cap on try and color. 
And then they increasingly more mad that it's not coloring the way they want it to color. And then they're getting defensive when you try and help them with any solution to why their marker won't color. But the solution is so simple that you just take the marker cap off and you can start coloring. The solutions to Iowa's offense are not hard. Like it's instituting a check here or there. It's making sure if there's a corner blitz, throw it, but don't try and run stretch away from a corner blitz because there's no run responsibility or no pass responsibility. It's so simple to fix, but they're so stubborn that they won't fix it. So it's just the toddler getting more and more mad that they're coloring with a cap on with a marker. And that that same toddler is trying to color with the wrong side of the, of the, uh, the marker. It's just dumb. It's so dumb. You think too. And, and this is the last thing I'll say about it because we spent way too much time. I about fell asleep. You think when they've got a built-in contract, you know, for, for Brian, you got to score, what, 25 points a game? Mm-hmm. They'd, they'd switch it up. This dude's stubborn as hell. Nope. Oh, it's going to work this time. Guess what? Brian didn't work. Offense <laughs> still sucks. It's going to work this time. I think we need three more games. It's going to win this time. No, it won't. Anyway, Iowa State plays at Baylor this Saturday. We can actually watch some positive offensive football. Yeah, um... I'm not even sure where to start. Baylor stinks. The, I think the 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 diff where they don't stink is Shapin can throw the ball a little bit. Quarterback when he's healthy and when he's comfortable, they can actually sling it a little bit. But I I don't know. I mean, Aiden, can you pull up their last? Let's call it their last five games and how many points they've given up because their defense, despite the fact that Dave Aranda is a defensive coach, and I honestly think Dave Aranda is a good coach. But I don't know. This was one of those things. That, like I don't know where this this nut is cracked at. But I don't. Their defense is really bad their run defense is terrible too every power five team they've played has had at least one 100 yard rusher um they, they just played cincy last week and they ran for 288 yards they had two 100 yard rushers. cincinnati did cincinnati cincinnati did. the team that had 214 yards total offense against Correct. Iowa state only 56 of their 288 was from their quarterback um but let me, let me just go through the, the five um uh, p5 teams they've played so Okay, you want to roll back, scroll back up just one time. So last games that uh, so far that Baylor has played uh, against Texas, they Texas. gave up 38 points. Their, their, their running back ran for 175 yards. Um, against UCF, they gave up 35 points. Yep, and uh, they ran for a total of 235 yards. Against Texas Tech, they gave up 39 points. Uh, their running back had 170 yards. Against Cincinnati, they gave up 29 points. And their two running backs combined for 232 rushing yards. I don't know why this Baylor team is so bad defensively, but they are. Well, I was listening to, to a, a to a Baylor podcast, too, and I, I tried getting people from Baylor on, and they, they didn't respond. Um, it's okay. They are not a very disciplined team. It, 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 so I, I feel like Aranda and Campbell are, they have a similar mindset in the way they kind of approach the game. And um, was it last year or the year before? We had one year where Iowa State was playing very uncharacteristically. They weren't playing like Iowa State. Last year. Yeah. They, a lot of fault. Yeah. False starts. Mm-hmm. Last year. Um, holding. Yeah. So th- that's, that's what I've heard that Baylor is this year, that they just, they can't get out of their own way. They keep false starting. They just have penalty after penalty. Um. Is the Doyle kid still a linebacker there? No, he's gone. He's not there anymore. So I also would imagine they are, they had a pretty senior senior laden roster last year, and Siaka Ika was their kind of heart and soul of their defense last year, and he was a nose tackle who was like six six, like three fifty, like yeah, a pol- four hundred. He's huge, like Polynesian strength too. Yeah, he was huge. Just it's like Matt Talfo. Do you remember? I 
do you remember did you ever watch inside drill like when you were you guys practicing we were probably playing golf in the indoor so not <laughs> sons of bitches we'd run inside drill so matt taufo one of the funniest dudes that we had on the team in five years that i was there he's like five nine five ten uh also built like a shoebox also built like and the dude i don't know how many squatted but it's a, a zillion pounds and he was five ten, and it was like that polynesian strength and we'd run inside drill and inside drill there's no pretending that you're going to throw. So the defense doesn't have to pretend like they have to defend the pass. So everyone just plays straight downhill. It is just mashed potatoes everywhere. So many fights happen from inside drill. And I, at fullback, would have to try and block Matt Taufo'o when he didn't have to read anything. And his entire job on power or ISO, where there's a fullback leading down the hill, is just blow up the fullback. So there's Matt at 5'10", running full speed, like squatting 600 pounds, helmet to sternum. And me trying to get underneath him leverage-wise, I don't un, I, I don't know how it would be possible to actually do that. Like physically, I don't I don't know how to block Matt Taufo in those moments. So shout out to Matt. I mean, maybe better as a blocker because it's it's like trying to block a minivan. If the minivan is going at like George Niang, uh, no, different, ah. different, a little more skilled. George is a little more skilled as a little more fleet of foot. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it was like trying to block a minivan. If, if it was going like 20, yeah, like, like 18 miles an hour, like just that's how fast and you have to try and somehow get underneath that and stop it. You just lay down. You're just a speed bump. Uh, back to Baylor though. So their, their run defense stinks and their running game stinks. So, which is surprising because the Richard Reese was a true freshman last year. And he was actually, he had a really good game against Iowa state last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but their running game stinks. So they, like you said, shaping, Slings it around, but he's... I think they had 42, 45 pass attempts last week. Yeah, for, uh, 40-something. Um, 42, I don't know. Yeah. So they sling it around, but he's only going to throw for... He's only throwing for six touchdowns in seven games. So if he gets one touchdown on us in the air, that's all they're scoring. So they're not going to score one touchdown in the air, we'll say. Um, they probably won't score on the ground at all. Their kicker is a stud, though. Hey, um, we'll talk about that in a second, but they're, they're Baylor's best... Um, receiver just kind of diving into some of their stats is uh monterey baldwin he's a 5'9 170 junior speed pure speed little scat guy yeah. pure speed um so he, he had a nice little game he's had some nice games for him this well, against year Cincinnati, there's big uh like a tree playing wide receiver like Different six guy. four six five yeah he's like oh uh, yeah i can't remember his name anyway um but monterey baldwin's probably their top to be honest i'm not i'm not worried at baylor in the slightest if we don't if i say doesn't beat them by two scores i'll be disappointed um, the only the the only fear I have in that bold prediction prediction is coming out of a bye week. You get out of the rhythm that had established this team in being successful in the first place, and it is a young team. So this is going to be like it's the first time they're going to have to pull themselves back up after a bye week because it's just it's not harder. It's just weird. It's different. So you have to go to a place you haven't won in six years. Uh, you're coming off a bye week. Are there going to be is there going to be a slow start? Because that's one thing that so Iowa State's defense has always had a look like first two or three drives are playing vanilla. They're going to you know give up some yards and see what you're doing and then try and shut that down. Is it, I would imagine Baylor's going to come out to a hotter start ish is, can you weather that initial hot start? And then from that point forward, put the vice grip on and, you know, run away with the game, both physically and metaphorically. Waco's not a, I never played in, in the new stadium. I don't I think you did either. Um, their old stadium was just trap. Oh my god, just a dumpster. Horrible. It was in a horrible location <laughs> yeah, too. Well, it really was. It was do you remember? Nowhere. Do you remember the uh, so fun fact about Waco? So my parents went down there the the year that we got obliterated. Obliterated. Well, I was not on that team, but I was at that game. Boy, 
when we did get smoked, then my parents traveled down because that was my senior year and they were just trying to make it to every game they could. And, uh, they rented a hotel in Waco and my mom and I, I don't I think it was my dad. They, they threw their bags up on the, the dresser or whatever, and they get in, in bed and the bed is sort of, you know, how there's like a, um, in any hotel, there's like a tighter corner between the bed and the wall. And there's like just enough space for a nightstand. And so I think it was my dad and they, they put their things up, they check in and they go to sit down and dad kind of like drapes his legs over the side of the bed between that and the window and goes to stand up and his foot steps in something wet. Oh, there was just a pile of vomit in this hotel room. They couldn't smell that. <laughs> they didn't clean it. And so then they got a transfer and they got their money back. They went to a different hotel, but that's what Baylor, that's what Waco has to offer. Ugh. Also, remember the hotel that we stayed at that had like that big courtyard in the middle? Uh, for Baylor? For Baylor. So mm -hmm. we stayed at the same hotel, I think twice is when we went down there. I'm going to say the old, at whatever. Um, I don't recall. The one, at that hotel, the, the doors didn't lock. So like if you just had a key, it would just open any room. I do remember this. Because uh, I remember EJ Bibbs was having fun with that. Just it, it wasn't like it wasn't like really bad, but like I remember EJ Bibbs was like, open a door and then like, hey, what's up? Like knock on the door as he opened it. How did you get in here? And then just do that to the next person. Do that to the next person. That hotel has since been demolished. It's probably good. There, there was <laughs> I, I thought it was Oklahoma. It might have been Baylor that there were a handful of guys in the team that from that trip had bed bugs. That was definitely Baylor. Yeah. Oklahoma State. We stayed in Embassy Suites or Oklahoma. Oh. That was Embassy Suites in Norman. That was nice. Yeah, I just remember having like there was like a little kids basketball tournament going on, and these little kids were just talking shit to us. I'm like, where are your parents at? <laughs> the fuck out of here, kids. Um, um I, I did see this. My my buddy shared this with me um, from Twitter. It says crazy but true stat: the only Cyclone football starting quarterback to win in Waco since 2005 is. Ooh, it was 2017. Because I remember that we're hearing that. Uh, so quarterback 2017 would have been Jacob Park to start, replaced by Zeb by the end of the year. Was it Park correct. or Zeb? Zeb? Zeb, correct. Yeah. And I would say it opened as a two-point dog to Baylor. We're now, I think I would say it's now a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I was just, at this point, Iowa State's been more consistent over the last month than Baylor has this entire season. Yeah. That's I, I it's it is possible. I'm not ruling out the fact that Baylor could come out and actually have a pretty decent game. They may, I mean, Cincinnati, Iowa State, you can't do like the transitive property because no, the, the transitive property never works. It's always it's all about matchups. But in the most recent things like Iowa State's defense shut down Cincinnati, Baylor's defense gave up almost 300 yards rushing against Cincinnati in back to back weeks. That doesn't mean that uh, the, the results are going to be like, oh, Iowa State won by this many points and Baylor won by this many points and whatever. Uh, but it would indicate that there is some susceptibility to certain things that Baylor would have. I think they still, it's at home. It's their homecoming. It is their homecoming. Like they're desperate at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if they came out and had a good game, but I would, st I still expect Iowa state to win. I wouldn't say I'm as confident as you are just cause I just am confident that stuff happens. But, uh, if Iowa state plays the way that they have been playing for the last month, they will come out with a win. Yeah. 31, 13 is going to be the final. Jesus. Um, <laughs> um, Confidence. Yeah. Their kicker is really good though. Um, Isaiah Hankins is his name. Last game, he had two 43 yarders, a 46 yard and a 54 yarder. They four, four for four. They won by two. Um, I don't know if he was special teams player of the week. He should have been if he wasn't. Um, plus there's some teams on a bye, um, but he should have been. Um, he's 11. This is kind of a telling stat. He's 11 of 11 on extra points through seven games. Only 11 extra points. That's terrible. Yes. But he's 15 of 18 on the year. 
So he's had more field goal attempts than extra points. Mm-hmm. That ain't great. No. So kicker's good, though. I mean, he's long 54. He's got a boot on him. He's, he's a sophomore. A sophomore. Um, they have a true freshman punter. So when I hear that, I, th- I Darian think... Porter, baby. I think Darian Porter. I think bring the heat. I think bring the heat. Um, he's averaging 44.5 yards per punt on 22 punts with a long of 53. Only three inside the 20. So I'm not sure if that means they're just... Think about how good their offense is. I'm guessing that probably means they're backed up so much he hasn't had the opportunity to put them inside the 20. Or he's a young guy and he's still in uh, crank it mode. Right. You know, because when you're a young kicker, I would imagine, or especially a young punter, it is just bomb it. But I think he's only had one or two touchbacks. Mm. So he's just, he's, they're just not getting a lot of opportunities. Yeah. yeah. Um. So he's only had three inside the 20, but teams are getting about 10 yards of return on him. So I, what, what that tells me without watching Baylor is that this guy... Um, Low and drill it. Yeah, I'm guessing he probably just has just low piss rockets that are being returned. That are 50 yards. Yeah, so I expect, I mean, special teams is going to be huge for us. I think if we can hold their kicker to, you know, whatever, he's going to get two because they're going to get 13 or he's going to miss or he's gonna miss his first PAT of the year. I think if I was can hold them to that and mix up some stuff on 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 punt returns, you know, bring some heat sometimes and, and set up the return on others, I think, I think we'll see. Special teams has a chance to be a different special maker. Special teams has, yeah, and I think punt return for Iowa State more specifically has the a biggest difference, which I anticipate Iowa State kind of shutting down their offense a decent amount. I'm, I'm guessing we'll probably see at least four punts from them. So if we can, I'm making a lot of predictions on this one. Um, <laughs> if, uh, if Iowa State can, can force them into a, a, you know, a few punts, I think we'll see some good returns, especially with how well, you know, Noel's been returning the last few games and Darian Porter dog, Darian Porter dog. Yeah, he's back. Uh, so we don't have a guest this week just cause, uh, we just don't have a guest. Didn't get enough responses. Um, so instead of doing the Goldfinch athletics interview, we're going to do the Goldfinch athletics, uh, questions Q and a from the internet. Uh, so for those that are interested in Goldfinch athletics products, one, Oh, I, we teased a while back. One thing I did want to say, we teased a while back that we are going to be partnering with Des Moines public schools to provide, um, speed agility and strength programming for junior high and youth athletes we just had to nail down a time and location well, we have that time and location now it's going to be starting in january it'll be once the kids actually get back to school in january it'll be at central campus on wednesday and thursday nights look for that information to come out from the des moines public schools people we're going to be nailing that that, that down more so if you have a an elementary or junior higher in the des moines public school district it is free to you the it's not we're not necessarily we are getting a substantial discount because we really want to provide this service but we're still able to pay our our coaches to come down there because it's a nonprofit wing that's making sure that we're able to do this sustainably uh so we it is worth everybody's time to actually be in there and for us to be there so um yeah check gold goldfinch speed is going to be the programming or goldfinch sports performance that is going to be coming from dmps starting in january also fitness.tier.com to get sweet swag like this so those are the two things that is going to the goldfinch gear so or to get cycling or cycling fanatic get sweet gear like this and when it gets wet, you have a message that comes through. I'm not going to do it. But this is a medium, and it fits a little tighter than it should. It's because you're uh, so damn swole. Oh, there it is. Guns. The camera. It's pure guns. All right, Aiden. What do we got for questions? Good questions. Getting rolling. All right. We're going to start with Logan Stutzman asked, favorite game of each of your college careers and why? I'll let you start. I think I know what you're going to go with, but I'll let you start. I mean, it's got to be Oklahoma State game. I mean, that's, why? That's, that's pretty easy. <laughs> why, why? I don't know. Why? 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 Why would you say? But I will, always, I will say there is a runner-up to that, which is sort of like low-key, which is in that same year we played, or no, it was the year before, 2010. We were playing Kansas, 
and Kansas was still good at the time. They still, I think it was either with Mangino or in the year just post, and they were still good. And we were up by three or four, and we got the ball with four minutes left, and we ran like perfectly executed uh, four-minute tempo, grind tempo, where you just get the ball back, and then you're not turning it back. You're not giving it back. And so we ran that. I was in for the entire drive, and it was like as a redshirt freshman or redshirt sophomore, I, I, 2010, 2011, I don't remember exactly which one. But anyway, um, we, I, I got to be in, and that was one of the first moments that it was like I was a focal point of the strategy of the offense and coming as a walk-on kid to be able to be like, hey, Woody, get in there. We need you to ice this game. And we did that, and we we took a knee at the end. So we got it with like 4.30 left on the clock, and we took a knee to end the game. And it was sort of like an FU, like that, because that tempo, if four minutes left is, we're running the ball, you know we're running the ball, and we still ran the ball successfully. And then one little like cherry on top is my favorite high school teacher, uh, Kevin Stalter. He was also a junior high wrestling coach. He was one of the sweetest men on earth. He was at that game, and I still have a photo with him Him giving me a high five. He was on the field for some reason. And as I'm leaving, I could get, you know, me being excited to see him, and someone captured that moment. Well, he passed away like a year later. So I still have that photo from that Kansas game. And Zach Spears was in the background, kind of like, doing like kind of you know playing around to say like hey you we you know ice the game and so stalter's there spears is there and i'm in that photo in that game so that's like a a runner-up game hard to top okie state but that's the runner-up game can i elaborate on that and say what is your least what was your least favorite game baylor okay at baylor fair we lost by 700 points fair that was my 23rd birthday it was october 19th of 20 or 2013 that was my 23rd birthday Mm. and we got beat by a zillion points did you see that well i guess you're not on twitter the audio from the final kickoff resurfacing, oh, yeah, which I'm it. sure you guys have heard. I've heard it. Times, with, but with, what was it? John uh, Walters. Was oh it? no! <laughs> <laughs> just, it's Walters and Heft at their best because at that point they have just been. You know, what do you talk about when your team's down by fifty and then sixty, like in a game for the whole half? What What well, do you Ohio say? State's going to avoid the biggest loss in school history. Well, don't don't say they don't talk so kickoff. fast. Yeah. <laughs> I would, say, yeah, I would say, yeah, Oklahoma State was probably up there for me because that was my senior night. We got bowl eligible, um, knocked off the number two team. Uh, I mean, there's a few different fun games. That same year, we beat Iowa in overtime. Yeah, the triple overtime game in Iowa. Uh, yeah. Nebraska the year before? Ne- Nebraska, 2009. N- Nebraska in 2009 was what I was going to say, at Nebraska. Um, we played Iowa my senior year, so the same year we beat Oklahoma State. I think I had a 54-yarder versus them, um, which was a good one because I had, I had had just bad games against Iowa in my career, so it was kind of a nice redemption um, and then, yeah, um, at Nebraska 2009, when we beat them 9-7, uh, to seven, that was a fun game, too, just because it was just, like, so stupid. Eight turnovers. It's like, what is going on? And then so and Dominican Sue, obviously, we had Lamac was out, Arnaud was out, Alexander Robinson was out. So it's like we were backs against the wall. We're like, yeah, we got nothing to lose here. We're about to get demolished. And we go out there and beat them. We're like, oh, well, yeah. Was Jesse, Smith and, Jesse Smith and James Smith were dogs in that game. Yeah, they were. You guys seen, I know I'm saying, playing the have you seen game, but... There's a video of Nebraska's eight turnovers with Yakety Sacks. Yeah. <laughs> All timer. Uh, Taron Benton, too. Taron Benton played with a broken leg the whole first half. And then. And he was playing corner at the time, wasn't he? Because that was before I, he moved over to move back to safety. No, I, it, I think I think he was uh, playing like, like nickel then. Okay. Because it was it would have been LJ and. Kennard Banks. Kennard Banks. And then the safeties would have been David Sims and James Smith. And yep. then TB would have uh, been San, Sandbig mixed in there, too. Oh, yeah. And Sandbig would have played. Because he would have been back at one of the safety positions yeah. whenever they needed Sims or Smith needed a but I, break. I think, yeah, I think Taron Benton. Um, and that was Freddie G and James Smith at, or uh, uh, Jesse Smith at linebacker. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, was a, that was a fun game too, though. 
because yeah. we, we hadn't, I mean, I would say that we hadn't beaten Nebraska, I think in like 38 years or something like that. So it was a good, good, uh, big win for coach Rhodes first year too. I was Rex Burkhead that week in scout team. Why? Cause Why was I, your resume? Cause you're white. Why was I Rex Burkhead? Everybody gritty, gritty. There it is. Hard work. Deceptive speed. Deceptively quick. What else we got, Aiden? All right. One question for each of you from Cyberclone. First Ooh. one, I assume this one is for Grant. Can Jace Gilbert improve enough to be the guy next year? Or should Iowa State go portaling? Um, yes, to both of those. Um, I think he has the ability to to be the guy. Um, so interesting story about, about Jace. So Jace was a kicker punter quarterback for his high school team. Um, he was kind of a, a late add to that, to that recruiting cycle. You know, Iowa state was just going to offer him a walk on position. They eventually offered him a scholarship and he came on, um, Jace's freshman, true freshman year, I believe was his first year focusing solely on kicking, which we've talked about before. Um, his stats weren't that bad, especially for a true freshman. Um, I'm not trying to, you know, look at moral victories. His stats weren't that bad, but I think had Contreras not, you know, been the dog that he is. I think Jace would have played this year and been fine um, because it's another year where he's focusing just on kicking. So I think next year, his, I'm assuming he's redshirting this year, his redshirt sophomore year, um, I think he would be good enough um, to, to be the guy uh, and be consistent. However, I will say that uh, it's never a bad idea, especially with this transfer portal market. It's never a bad idea to go, to go hunting for a, a kicker who like Blake groupie, our guy, Blake groupie was at Arkansas state for four years, had a great career there, played at Notre Dame his final year, killed it. I don't think it's ever a bad idea to maybe look for a guy like that. Who's maybe at a lower tier school. Who's had good stats, but just hasn't had the exposure to give him a chance. Um, not really like Contreras because he just kind of was, you know, a guy from Iowa that didn't really play at Nebraska, but it's working out for us. Um, but I think, you know, Campbell always says who competition is, you know, competition breeds greatness. So, do I think Jace could be good enough next year? Yes. But do I think we should also bring in a guy from the portal? Yes. Question for Jeff. Did the run game get better because Iowa State ditched zone blocking or simply because they opened up the pass game? They threw the ball, man. That's that's the reason. And they're still zone blocking. They're they're just doing they're doing more gap stuff, but they're still blocking zone. And the difference is early in the season when they were so tight end heavy and they're so run heavy, you run a you spin a strong safety down. So there's always middle like one high middle closed and that one high middle closed meaning one safety out back and middle closed meaning he's just operating in the middle of the field which means he's not operating deep by the sidelines there's all kinds of space to throw and when you're not like we've talked about it before is every defense has a susceptibility it's just a matter of can the offense execute well enough to take advantage of that susceptibility and iowa state early in the season didn't show any reason why they would take advantage of the susceptibility of a middle it wasn't necessarily cover one but they had one high middle closed with they rolled another safety down who essentially became like a fourth or a third linebacker depending on what front they're running uh and they're just daring their corners to stay on top of everything and when you're running into that middle closed like that's a check like every once in a while if you'll see like the the you know, alert, alert, and the quarterbacks will like touch their head. That's one of the main things they're looking at is they say if it's middle closed or mi- middle open, because middle open means there's two high safeties, means there's only nine guys that could possibly be up, and two of them are probably out playing against a wide receiver somewhere. So there's a maximum of seven dudes that are in run position. That's a decent thing to run against. So like a lot of times you'll see if it's if they do that alert, alert, they're just looking for that middle closed or middle open. And while Iowa State has now played in the last three or four games a ton more middle open, 
because teams have had to respect the fact they're going to throw. So you can't necessarily one-on-one with Higgins anymore. You can't necessarily one-on-one with Jalen Noel anymore and just trust they're not going to get the ball to him because Rocco has shown that you can. So you pull that safety out of the box and now you give better blocking angles. There's not going to be a, a free guy that's just hitting somebody, hunting somebody up. It's less confusing because if you're James Neal, who's this is his third year of organized football, and there's like 15 dudes that are playing in the box, you have to sort through all that. Well, there's just less people to sort through now. And then if you're Abu Sama or if you're you know Sanders or whomever, the guy you're interacting with, that safety, you're still going to see him. You're still going to hit him, but you're hitting him at eight yards down the field with open space as opposed to one yard in the backfield. So it's primarily the fact that they've actually opened the formation up and thrown it. They've been getting able to get middle middle open, and then when they do, they can run the ball. And then when teams start get sick of that, they play middle close, and Rocco can actually throw it. And so you can screw with the defense a little bit that way. So that's the primary thing is just they Rocco has let them run because of his ability to throw. Some less serious questions now from my guy, Teddy Flintstone, Ted Flint, Kansas on Twitter. Which one of you is better at flip cup? Probably not me. I, I'm not much of a beer games guy. Yeah, I would say unequivocally me. <laughs> I've got, you know, at flip cup, flip cup. Yeah, flip, I got, I got that. I got that finesse. I got that soft touch. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm fine. I'm competitive. That's I, I'm. And I have a decent tolerance because I'm a six foot, 230 pound dude. Uh, so I have a pretty decent tolerance. So my problem with drinking games is that I'm not, I don't really do them much. Uh, and I'm, but I'm really competitive and I want to win at things. And so I end up just playing them way more than I should because I lose at them. And then you want to do another one so you can actually win. And then you want to do another one. And then by the time you get seven games in, I'm better at them, but it's that very fine window of being not too blitzed to be good at it, but have enough practice. And then after that, you just have your, you're too pissed to be able to do it. So like that, that fine window. So all in all, not great. I haven't, I haven't played, games. yeah, flip cup or like beer pong in, in a few years. But yeah, I mean, y- your boy can take some down and then and have that soft finesse touch to, you know, the, 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 the secret, and it might be cheating to, you know, flip cups, you got a little bit of liquid on the table. So once it... So it doesn't balance as much, it kind of suctions a little it bit. suctions. I mean, it's cheating, but, you know. You ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's all I was just going to say. Sufficiency, man. That's right. You know what they say, it's better to be a smart fella than a fart smeller. What? Who's they? That's what they say. Who's they? I don't know. All right, last question. So from Ted Flint. What was the best Halloween costumes you guys ever had? Oh, shit. I got to start for this. You can Mr. Go ahead, Clean. Jeff. 100% Mr. Mr. Clean. Dyed the eyebrows. Had a little clip-on earring. Uh, wore the the tight white uh, T-shirt. Bought some white pants and a white belt. And I had white... Uh, Crop top? You had a crop top? Nope. Oh. Mr. Clean doesn't have a crop top. Mr. Ah. Clean tucks it's t- it tucks in t-shirt. Didn't know if it was Jeff Woody special. Uh, and then did like the the sexy mopping. Slutty Mr. From, Clean. Yeah. Crop top. <laughs> Slutty Mr. Clean. It's just all cleavage. <laughs> Shirt it's tied. <laughs> yeah. uh, just booty shorts. There's not. It's not even pants. It's just like white volleyball shorts. Uh, yeah. Mr. Clean is definitely the best one I've ever done. Um, my best one. When I was living in Austin, Texas, I had um, I had four buddies come down to visit me and it was around Halloween time and Austin is nuts. I mean, fifth street is, it, it gets crazy. And I was at this point, I was 24, you know, so I was still frequent, frequenting the bars and, um, we didn't have Halloween costumes. We're like, we got to go out and get something. So we went to Goodwill and we're like, Oh, we're just going to, you know, dress up. However, just buy some cheap stuff. And one of my buddies goes, Hey, they've got, 
they've got five um five of the same costumes here do you guys want to be nuns <laughs> and so we went as nuns we went to walmart and bought chains and, and necklaces bought ropes and had them had them you know tied around us um and we were drinking holy waters we called them um this is probably a sacrilegious because you know being religious and, and you know two different yeah 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 um we were drinking holy waters uh, on rainy street which is vodka uh, vodka water two lemons and one of my buddies would would baptize people you know he would we'd get in a circle and he'd say, well, we'll, we'll pray for you. And he'd dip his thumb in his drink and he'd like get, do a cross in their forehead. <laughs> Super sacrilegious shit. I'm, I'm so, sure someone, someone got after it. Someone, someone was like, you guys should be wearing nuns. You guys sacrilegious. We're like, ah, it's, it's Halloween. Ha- it's Halloween. Like, the don't rules us, don't matter. Don't take it so serious, man. Uh, I'm, I, hopefully you asked if people like you are like getting the right vibe where you're not just like walking up to people and just like dunking your thumb no, in no, vodka no, and yeah, then we, wiping it on people's We wouldn't head. do that, but th- there were multiple people who came up and said, oh, will you pray for me? And then my, you know, we'd get around them and, you know, like there, I remember there's one, you know, there, there was one girl that got in the middle and, and my buddy was like, dear Lord, may this, uh, may this two be a 10 and a, a 10 at two or something like that. <laughs> may, 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 may this, may this, uh, yeah, whatever it was, may this boyfriend see this, this two as a 10 and at 10, may she be a two or something like what he, he I butchered it, but uh, you get the gist it's of It's offensive it. on all fronts. Yeah. It is. I mean, it was, I was 24. I mean, we're dumbasses getting after it, but it was fun. It was 13, uh, 13 years ago, 17, 22 years ago. No. Yeah. What? 74 years ago. Yeah. No, it was only, uh, yeah. 10 years ago, probably. Yep. Getting old now. All right. Well, uh, we're going to have actually a football game to talk about. We're not going to talk about Iowa stuff just because hopefully they uh, don't have another special teams meltdown. If there is a case that there is a special teams meltdown, then I don't know. We might talk about it. We might not. But Iowa State's going to hopefully come out with a 31 to 13. That's going to be it. Win uh, at Baylor. Kickoff at 230. Yep. Oh, one. Sorry. I will have to say Eli this. Sanders is going to have his first 100-yard uh, rushing game in his career. Come out to Drake Stadium on Saturday. Kickoff's at noon. Uh, the Drake Bulldogs are right now first in the PFL. I call their home games. Uh, they have not lost a PFL game, Pioneer Football League. They have not lost a Pioneer Football game in seven games. They are currently on track if they win this game on Saturday. They have two games, two really important games to close it out. They could be conference champions and head to the playoff. And if you can get a, 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 a games at noon, Iowa State doesn't kick off till two thirty. Come out to the Drake, come out to Drake Stadium. Who, who are they cheap. Uh, I believe it's Marist. I got to double check. I got to do my game prep here starting Wednesday. Good squad. Marist. Anyway, now we're done. So we'll be back next Monday. Thank you to all of our loyal listeners. And of course, remember, adopt, don't shop.